0: A shoot shall sprout from the stump of Jesse, and from his roots a bud shall blossom. Hello, this is Father Thomas, and welcome to the Sprouting Stump podcast series, where we reflect on the readings that come to us from the Mass each day. When we take a little time to let the Spirit come upon us, a bud shall indeed blossom in our hearts, so we might be renewed in spirit and strengthened in faith, as we take this time together to enter into that beautiful word, that comes to us from God.
1: On this Divine Mercy Sunday, Other explores the deeper meaning behind the actions of Saint Thomas.
0: I always get excited about the Bible Sunday because every year on this day we read the same gospel passage. It's probably my favorite gospel passage in all of Scripture.
1: Why? Because my guy's in it. So every year when I would hear this gospel passage,
0: I was ask myself, what exactly is happening? There's a mystery here that goes much deeper than what a lot of people think. So I always want to try to delve into what is that mystery? What's Going through Thomas's head, as he experiences this, these moments, we know that Jesus appears to the ten in the upper room. They haven't yet, have, Judas is gone, they haven't yet have picked the other one, and Thomas is off running around somewhere. When he comes to them, and he says, be with you. Now this is happening on the eve of Easter, Sunday night a week ago well it didn't actually happen a week ago but like you know a week ago we are celebrating today and he comes to them shows him his hand and his side just peace be with you and we all know this they're all excited but Thomas isn't there so next week he shows up nobody ever asks him where were you last week but we really don't know they say we've seen the Lord the first thing he says is until I see his hand, he put my fingers in his hand, my hand in his side, I will not believe. And I started thinking about this: why would he ask to do that? None of the other disciples needed to put their fingers in his hand, his hand in his side; they believed just by seeing him. Thomas said, "There's something more. I need something more." Why? Because he was looking for something more. Tradition has it that Thomas when he says, "I will not believe." Is simply not believing in the resurrection. I honestly don't think that's what he's saying. Thomas, of all the disciples, was the most impassioned of them. He wanted to be closer to Jesus than any of them. How do we know this? Because the Gospel of John, we hear Thomas is the one that when Jesus is going to go to Jerusalem, right in the midst of the people that were going to kill him, Thomas is the one that says, let us go to Jerusalem with him so we can die with him. He's so intent on being with Christ that he's willing to give his life to be connected to him. In an earlier passage, Jesus telling them, I'm going to go away, but where I'm going, you will know, but you'll be able to follow me. And Thomas is like, wait a minute, Jesus, we don't know who you're going, to, how are we going to follow you? He wants to be with Christ so much that when there's a disconnect,
1: there's
0: an anguish within him. And I think this is why he was gone that first week. Well, that first day in the upper room, they were all hiding out, terrified of the Jews. What was Thomas doing? Looking for his friend. Where is he? He promised us he would come back. He's not here. I think he was out looking for Jesus. I think he was the one person who had the boldest about searching for him. Because he wanted to be with him. But he wanted to be with him more than just to be with him for the sake of seeing him. He wanted to be with him for a special reason. To receive his mercy. That he didn't believe that he was worthy to get. You see, Thomas, shortly after he says to these wonderful lines, let us go to Jerusalem to die with him. But Jesus does die. Where is Thomas? He ran away. Because he was afraid, like the other ones. And I think this running away burdens his heart. And now he's like, I need to go back to him. Because I ran away at the moment when he needed me the most, and I wasn't there. And now I need to let him know that I love him and to seek his mercy. And I think he was terrified that he wasn't going to get it. When they say we have seen the Lord, we think, I will not believe. See, I don't believe that he's come back to me. I don't believe yet that I'm going to share in his resurrection because I abandoned him. In many ways, he was kind of like Judas in that thinking of, I'm not sure if God's mercy is going to extend to me. I need to have that contact, interaction with Christ. I need him to tell me it's okay. And he wasn't believing it. So when he comes back, he says, it's not enough for me to see his hand in his side. I want to put my fingers in his hands and my hand in his side. And I was reflecting on this and said, why would he ask such a weird thing? Because of all the disciples, he wanted to share the pain of Christ towards any of them. He wanted to experience what Jesus experienced so he could be most him. That's why the gospel says his name was Metinimus. Him. Thomas, more than any of wanted to be the twin of Christ. He wanted to suffer with him, die with him. And so he says, I need to experience that. And the only way I can do this is to put myself in the very wounds that I caused. And he makes this request this request of God's mercy that he's not sure he's going to get. And every time we make a request of God's mercy, what's the response is always yes so when jesus comes back which is a week later one week after easter which is today they're gathering in the other room and this time thomas is there and he probably figured i can't find him i might as well hang out with my friends because he showed up to them last week maybe he'll show up here today makes perfect sense. you go where jesus would have a cleanse. so he shows up there and lo and behold he was right Jesus shows up, and the first person he goes to is Thomas. It's okay, Thomas. You weren't believing what I was willing to do for you. You weren't believing you can share the beauty of my resurrection. You're not willing to believe that I will extend my mercy to you.
1: Come here now,
0: and put your fingers in my hands and your hand to my side. Touch the wounds that you are so afraid of. And I will show you that these wounds don't keep you from me, the after you the opening to me. When he does this, he experiences an outpouring of God's mercy. He realizes that he gets to share in that. And that Jesus says it's okay. You're forgiven. My glory now becomes your glory. My life now becomes your life. My resurrection becomes your resurrection. And Thomas experiences that and says that tremendous line, my Lord and my God. It's a remarkable moment where divine mercy is taking place. It's the day when Jesus tells the world, nothing you do will keep you from me. As long as you seek me, I will be there to be found. And I will come after you if you can't find me. And I will allow you to experience me in a very intimate way. I will let you touch my heart through the very wounds that you caused because your sin is not an obstacle to me it's a pathway to me. That is what divine mercy is only a God who is all loving, all good would actually love somebody even more after they've been hurt even more how many of us could do that to somebody else? How many of us could choose to love somebody even more after they cause us pain, sorrow, hurt? But that's what divine mercy is all about. We get to share that. And Thomas got to share that. So Jesus cries out to him and says, Do you believe, Thomas, that you have seen
1: me? Blessed are those
0: who have not seen and still believe. And everyone thinks he's chastising Thomas and saying, Why don't you get your act together? Why don't you believe? But he's doing two different things. He's not only chastising him, he's also praising him at the same time. Why? First off, we know he was chastised because he wouldn't believe in God's mercy. He was struggling to accept the fact that his sin could not be overcome by God's love. He struggled with that. Jesus says to him, Why wouldn't you believe in this? You've been with me all these years and you still have not accepted the fact that you cannot do anything that will keep me from you. So he's going kind to of slap him upside the head and said, wake up Thomas, you who are so impassioned for me have lost sight of me. But then when he says, blessed are those who have not seen and still believe, he's now praising him at the same time. Why? Because when Thomas puts his hand into his side, and his fingers into his hand, Thomas is looking at the marks of a dead person. He sees a man before him who has died on the cross. But what does he believe? He believes the God of his brothers. He's the first disciple to actually recognize that Jesus is not just the Son of God, he's actually God himself. My Lord and my God. I look upon a man. I see the divine, and God was praising him for that, but he's praising us even more. Because that statement was a statement for our future generations. John was writing the gospel to the people who didn't have the opportunity to put their fingers in his hand and his hand in his side, and they still need to believe in his love and his mercy and his goodness. He's talking to generations of people who don't get to walk with Christ, and still believe that He was here. He's speaking to a people who are going to look upon a piece of bread and believe that it is God. Blessed are those. Blessed are those whose life is full of sorrow and hurt and pain and they still believe in God's mercy. Blessed are those who recognize that our sinfulness is never enough to live God's love. Blessed are those who believe in the goodness of God in the midst of a world where we can't always see the goodness of God. Thomas was that example for all of us, which is the other reason he's called twin. He's the twin of the human race that doubt we have. How many people have questioned God's goodness, his presence? Do you care about me, God? Why didn't you do this, God? Why is there so much evil, God? Why didn't you let them die, God? When are you going to take care of me, God? Why is this happening? All of us ask those questions, just like Thomas. Where are you, God? Will you allow me to be with you? Will you come back for me? And Jesus' answer is always the same. Yes, I will be there for you. Yes, I will come back for you. Yes, I will forgive you. Yes, I will love you. That's the message to us today. It was remarkable that interchange between Thomas and Jesus. Because Thomas wanted to touch the wounds of Christ and experience his pain. Jesus led him to touch his wounds. Christ wanted as much to be for Thomas. And that's what this day tells us. A remarkable day but all we have to do is ask for God's mercy and it flows. That's it. It's a powerful day when we recognize that nothing we do has ever stopped God from loving us and wanting us. Wonderful day for us to recognize that the very roots of being caused in Christ is the opening that he gives to let us into to his heart. I found this kind of fascinating. I didn't even realize it today. Does anyone know how St. Thomas died? I want to ask wisdom once a lot for those that are do. You know how he died? I always thought this was kind of like not very exciting. he's like some people were crucified and things like that, so I thought, well, his way of death was just kind of law. He died by a spear thrust. And I was reflecting on that just the other day, I realized how powerful that is. Let me put your hand in your side that was caused by what? The thrust of a spear. And his death. He got to be like Christ as a gift from God. You will experience what I experienced, Father, because you start to live as I lived. You loved as I loved. You gave as I gave. And now you can die as I die. The very womb that you wanted to enter I will give to you so that I can enter you. That's God. That's mercy. That's what he wants to give to us. All we
1: have to do is ask.